Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. All right, what we want to do tonight is just sort of have an overview of, uh, of King Saul. I'm not going to take the time to uh, read all the scriptures that we read last week, uh, but just briefly for those who were not here, we uh, saw as Mark uh, took on the first time that it was God's will for Israel to have a king, but it wasn't God's time. As we saw last week, the problem was with King Saul, that uh, uh, when Saul was chosen to be king, it was not God's time. He was not God, it was not God's, um, what were the four things I had? It was not God's, it was God's will for Israel to have a king. It wasn't God's time. And uh, Benjamin wasn't God's tribe. And, and uh, also uh, Saul was not God's man. God permitted it. And then we finish up on this, which we're going to pick up from now, that uh, in the little book that I've mentioned to you, The Tale of Three Kings, uh, we have Saul as the first king, Jehovah's anointed king. He was God's choice for the people's choice, kingly authority and power, an older man. We have the order of Saul, and he was a man, as we'll see, who had charisma without character. Uh, then the second king we have was David, and he was Jehovah's anointed king, God's choice, submission authority, shepherd youth. We have the order of David. He was a man that had character with charisma, and then though Absalom was never uh, purposely a king, but he was a usurper, unanointed, self-appointed king, self-choice, a usurper who seized the authority, a rebel youth. We have the order of Absalom uh, who uh, rose up against his father. We have false charisma without character. And so I recommend it to you that you get hold of that uh, uh, little book on Tale of Three Kings. Very, very, very challenging. All right, now I want you just to go over to uh, Revelation chapter 5. Uh, just for a verse by way of introduction here. Then we'll go immediately back to, to King Saul. Revelation chapter 5. <laughs> All right, now one of the main reasons that we look at these characters is what Paul said uh, Paul told us that all these things happen unto them for types and examples and are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 and 10, uh, the 24 elders of four living creatures, the 24 elders were told, and they sang a new song uh, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, or some of the translations uh, literally say, a kingdom of priests. So in studying the Old Testament, uh, in my own personal study, I've done a character study on the 39 kings in the Old Testament, and also character studies on the priests. So all those things happen to them for examples, and because uh, you and I are called to be kings and priests unto God. As I said last week, uh, we hear a lot of songs today, we sing a lot of songs ourselves about uh, the kingdom of God, taking the kingdom of God and so forth, but uh, as kings can we handle the kingdom? And this first king that we're looking at here, King Saul, was a man that received the kingdom and couldn't handle the kingdom because he had charisma without character. Now what I want you to do on the little diagram here, I want you to start at the bottom and uh, depends how you write and everything like that whether you write in hieroglyphics. And I just want to sort of have an overview 
on the, on the qualities that uh, King Saul had. And I'll just give you appropriate scriptures uh, where we have time because our time's always limited in, in sessions like this. All right, so the first thing here is that we're looking at is we're going to look at eight or nine steps to Saul's enthronement. He had tremendous possibility, tremendous potential under God, and uh, at the end, as we're going to see, that he, he bombed out, he blew it. We want to get to the root of the problem. And as I said, you and I are called to be kings and priests, and uh, I particularly always think of ministry and how many ministries are falling today, why they fall, what's some of the root problems. All right, so we're going to look at uh, eight or nine steps to his enthronement and take them one at a time here. Okay, so steps to enthronement. All right, number one, the first thing we're told about Saul, and this is sort of covering those uh, chapters that we looked at last week, was he, were ch he was a choice and a goodly young man. He was a choice and a goodly young man. First thing we're told about him, a, 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 good, a choice and a goodly young man. Let me just get my sheets right here. Always trying to condense so much material. And I'll just give you a reference uh, on this here. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, for both, uh, both, uh, both of those words there. So he was a choice uh, young man. He was a goodly young man. So here we have that uh, he has that physical strength. The Bible tells us he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Physical attractiveness and uh, good health and just good potential. All right, number two, we'll have to go and move these reasonably fast here. Uh, number two, another good quality on the steps to in the throne was, uh, we are told that he was little in his own sight. So number two, he was little in his own sight. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17. So 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. He was not full of conceit or full of his own importance. He was little in his own sight. And that's always a challenge. What do we think of ourselves? We feel we're pretty big, feel we're smart, anything like that. And as I often say, it's not what we think we are or what we appear to be. It's what we really are in God's mind because God, God sees the heart. So what does God think of us? What, what, what are we on the inside? Uh, Proverbs, why don't you put this down? Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what do you think? See, Proverbs 23, verse 7, and uh, I've put on my notes here, it is not what you think you are, but what you think you are. <laughs> okay, so it's not what you think you are, but it's what you think you are. So, you know, what do you think? So, a uh, little in his own sight. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that, but uh, you can borrow the tape later on. All right, number three. He was anointed with the holy oil. He was anointed with the holy oil. Anointed with the holy oil. And the scripture on that is uh, when the uh, prophet Samuel came to him, he took the uh, vial of oil and poured the holy oil, uh, oil upon him. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1. I want you to turn over to uh, that verse here. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. First Samuel chapter 10. And uh, in the Old Testament, whenever a person was anointed, because priests were anointed, prophets were anointed, kings were anointed, 
all of those people are referred to as the Lord's anointed and uh, always pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ who would be the anointed. In fact, uh, why don't we sort of put it this way if we did this. that um, So in the Old Testament we have uh, prophets were anointed, priests were anointed, and uh, kings were anointed. And all of them, of course, pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ because the very name Christ means the anointed. So uh, these were the Old Testament anointed ones. Anointed. So here's Saul, uh, King Saul, first king. He receives the anointing on and became a type of because prophets pointed to Christ as the word. Priests pointed to Christ who is our great high priest. And kings pointed to Christ as our king of kings and lord of lords. So all these were Old Testament anointed ones. And so... Uh, uh, he was an anointed one. He received that anointing. First Samuel chapter ten, and verse uh, ten, uh, verse one. Sorry, First Samuel ten, and verse one. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, "Is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance?" So Saul became one of the Lord's anointed, and a tremendous honor placed on upon him as the uh, first one to be king. In the history of Israel. Alright, number four. The Bible says also he was changed into another man. Go to First uh, Samuel chapter 10. And I'll read, uh, read a few of these verses here. Samuel is speaking to him in verse First uh, Samuel 10 and verse 5. After that thou should come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, you shall come to pass... When you come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tablet and a pipe and a harp before them, they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. So in, in, in Old Testament language, this would be like his regeneration. Not Nobody was born again of the Spirit as we understand New Testament language, but he was changed into another man. It would be like an experience of generation. Closely connected with that in, uh, is number five here. He was given another heart. If you go to verse 9 of the same chapter, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. See, a, a new heart will I give you. He gave him another heart. So he's changed into another man, uh, and he's given another heart. So God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. So uh, given another heart, you can put down 1 Samuel 10, verse 9. Why don't you put down these couple of scriptures here? We just haven't got time to turn to them. Mark chapter 7. And verse 20 to 23, Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23. And Jesus speaks of what the condition of the old heart is. Out of the heart proceed unclean thoughts, idolatry, fornications, adulteries. All these things proceed out of the heart. These are the things that defile a man. Ezekiel chapter 36, you can put down. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27, where the Lord said that a new heart I will give you. I'll give you a new heart. I'll take away the stony heart out of your heart, and I'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone that's hard and resistant, but a new heart, heart of flesh that's sensitive and responsive as a heart of flesh would be. All right, so he's given another heart. All right, number six, a very important thing. He also received a gift of prophecy. Now, we're only condensing so much of what's on this 
uh, we would spend the whole semester on it, but he received the gift of prophecy, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verses 5 to 6. 1 Samuel 10, verse 5 to 6. And I want to make a comment here. Evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was the gift of prophecy. Now let me say that again. So 1 Samuel 10 and verses 5 and 6, the chapter we're reading. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, thou shalt prophesy with him, and thou shalt be turned to another man. And in verse 10 we're told, And the Spirit of God came upon him, and, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all knew him before time, saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? So let me say that statement again. The evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was prophecy. The evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is speaking in tongues. Okay, so that's the difference. Old Testament was prophecy, New Testament speaking in tongues. So Saul received a, a gift of prophecy and uh, the prophetic spirit came upon him. All right, in connection with that we have number seven. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. All of these are good steps towards his enthronement. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now, in connection with that, I want you to turn over to um, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want you to pick up, a, a, up an important, important thought here. So, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You've got that scripture there. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I want you to note the, the, the connection uh, in the Old Testament custom of anointing oil, uh, anointing with oil, and also the New Testament. In verse 13, uh, 1 Samuel 16, this is, this is David now. So, uh, as we'll see, Saul's downward steps, but David is being anointed. Uh, so, verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, what I want you to pick up here is this, that uh, when they were anointed with oil, and especially we have this example here, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. So, uh, the Holy Spirit is the anointing. And you see, oil in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the point that I want you to get here is that as soon as Samuel the prophet anointed David with oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon David. In other words, the Holy Spirit worked with the oil. The Holy Spirit worked with the symbol of his own being. And that's the whole thing. So when James tells us, if any sick among you, let him call for the eyes of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So it's not just anointing with oil, just, you know, empty hands on empty heads or empty oil on empty heads, anything like that. We, we are trusting and believing that the Holy Spirit will work with the symbol of his own presence. And you see, what I'm saying here, there's more in it than meets here because in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the ordinances of the church, uh, water baptism. It's, it's water and yet it's symbolic of something and the key to the water baptism in my understanding is 
Genesis 1.1, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. How many remember that verse? So I like to see when, the, when people are being water baptized, that the Holy Spirit will move upon the face of the waters, and they'll indeed rise to walk in, in units of life. And also when we have the communion, the bread and the cup, the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. How many expect the Lord Jesus to work with the symbols of his own being? Now I'm saying the same here. That the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works with the symbol of his own being. That's the thing. And if we don't have that, then we just go through routine. All right, so Spirit of the Lord came upon him. All right, uh, what a tremendous thing. And, and you see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit was not available for everybody. The Spirit came upon select people, prophets, priests, and kings, but the Holy Spirit was not available for everybody. So what a tremendous experience. All right, number eight here. He received a prophetic word. Samuel was his prophet, and uh, he gave him tremendous prophet, prophetic words as you go through those chapters, that what Saul could have been, even though he's not from the right tribe, God would have overruled and brought good out of it. And he gave him tremendous prophetic words. And when you, you know, apply that, then number nine, of course, we come to the top of the, the steps here, and he, he's given kingdom authority. Now the thing is, can he handle the kingdom or not? Can he handle the kingdom? Jesus said to the disciples, uh, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now here is a man who receives the kingdom, but can he handle the kingdom without character? The answer is no. So he received kingdom, uh, kingdom authority. So uh, you can go through a lot of scriptures there. There are many, many, many other points, but I just want to at least give you, give you those points. Now, before we uh, continue on here, I just want to sort of give you uh, an overview of his life here because uh, he doesn't have the kingdom for too long and right at the beginning something happens after this tremendous experience and then we can apply these things to ourselves. You know, all of you people are choice and goodly young men and young women. Everybody said amen. <laughs> Thank you for that weak amen. Uh, trust we're little in our own sight and don't get conceited and big in our own sight. Being anointed with the holy oil, changed into another man, given another heart. Many of us have the gift of prophecy and gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon us, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many of us have received prophetic word uh, through prophets and prophetic ministries and the body of Christ. And uh, the Lord wants to give us kingdom authority. Can he trust us with the kingdom? Uh, that's the issue. Now, let's just sort of have an overview here and uh, start to see the tragic uh, downfall here. So here, Saul is anointed. Let's have an overview before we look at the downward step. Saul's anointed here, and uh, he's reigning as king, the first of the kings here, and altogether he reigned 40 years. So uh, the first three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon, all reigned 40 years, so reigned 40 years. And uh, after a period of about 27 years, if that, it was way even in the early, uh, early period of his reign, because of these downward steps, as we'll see, uh, Samuel anoints David. And uh, for the last 13 years of Saul's reign, we have a tragic history of a man who'd climbed these steps in the grace of God, received kingdom authority and they couldn't handle it, and step by step down, and he hunts David for 13 years. Uh, David's about 17 years of age here. He's about 30 years of age when David takes the throne. 
But uh, these last years, the Saul who had lost the anointing and the David man. All right, now I want to put on uh, eight or nine steps here on the downward. And as you, I'm, I know you realize, we're just having a very brief overview of a vast character study. All right, steps to dethronement. So here he is at the top. He's received the kingdom. He's a king. He has kingdom authority. How's he going to handle the kingdom? How's he going to handle the kingdom? All right, number one, the first thing is we have disobedience to the word of God. It begins right there, disobedience to the word of God. Let me just give you the, uh, the chapters on that or the, the scriptures I want you to look at. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 to 18. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14 to 18. And also 1 Samuel 13, verses 7 to 8. So that's 1 Samuel 11, verse 14 to 18. 1 Samuel 13, 7 to 8. Now the issue here is Saul... By the prophetic word of Samuel, God tells him to destroy Amalek. Amalek has been the enemy of the people of God way back here. So if you go back a little bit, you could see Esau, and from Esau comes Amalek. I'll just throw this in, by the way, to understand this. Esau, Amalek, later on Agag is uh, from Amalek, and then later on you'll find Haman, who hates the bride Esther, comes from here. So that whole thing God sees. So God said to Saul, okay, test of obedience. You receive the kingdom. Now, I want you to go and destroy Amalek. And uh, right there we have disobedience to the word of God. Most of us have heard the story. And, and just put this seed thought down here. When you come to the tragic end of Saul's life, who was it that uh, killed, when Saul committed suicide, who was it that really finished him off? It was an, Amal no, an Amalekite. See, he failed to deal with Amalek, and Amalek dealt with him. Many times the sins that we don't deal with can end up destroying us. See, Amalek represents the flesh and all the works of the flesh against the kingdom of God. So it began with disobedience, disobedience to the word. And remember what happened First uh, uh, Romans 5. By one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners by one man's obedience. You might like to take this statement down. Andrew Murray, I got this from. Andrew Murray says, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. That's a tremendous statement. Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. So by one man's disobedience, and now Saul, who is king, received kingdom authority and power, can he handle it? It begins with just disobedience. Disobedience, he was told to destroy Amalek. Amalek finally destroyed him. Conquer sin or, conquer, or sin will conquer you. All right, number two, another step here. We're just picking up the main ones. Impatience with Samuel. Impatience with Samuel. Put down, um, well, 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel, well, I think it's in those same chapters. I'll just say it here. Samuel told uh, Saul to go to Gilgal and wait there seven days and then he would come to him. And the tragedy is he couldn't wait seven days. So, you know, how many know that God is never late and God is never early? How many know that God just comes right on time? 
And so Saul is waiting there and he's waiting and, and, and waiting for Samuel. And, and Samuel said, wait seven days at Gilgal. What happens? Number three. Uh, in fact, uh, we'll, we'll put these no, uh, numbers right down here. Number three, four, and five took place. Pride of position. Putting it in our language, he says, where's Samuel? You know, I'm the king. And I mean, I, I waited seven days here just about and the Philistines are against us. Where's Samuel? He's not here. And I'm the king. So he gets into pride of position as king. He gets into the terrible position, uh, 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 sin of presumption. I want you to go over to, um, uh, let's see, uh, over to Second Peter chapter 2, I think it is. The sin of presumption, let me explain that. Go over to Peter. And um, just trying to find that right scripture. Yes, Second uh, Peter, chapter two. Yes, Second Peter, chapter two, and verse ten. Second Peter, chapter two, verse ten. Uh, Peter's talking about the Lord delivering people, but he says uh, those who are going to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. Three things I want you to pick up here. Three or four things. Number one, they despise governments. Number two, presumptuous are they. Number three, self-willed. And number four, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Dignitaries. So four characteristics there. Number one, despising governments, presumptuous, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Now Saul gets into all that as we've got here. Pride of position, presumption, and self-will. Now, the issue was that Saul was actually a priest prophet. Saul had been, uh, Samuel, pardon me, Samuel had been brought up in the tabernacle of the Lord there. He was actually a priest prophet. And so what does Saul do? Because Samuel didn't come on time, he gets into the sin of presumption and he moves from the office of king and moves into the office of a priest. Now in the Old Testament, God had divided the offices of king and priest into two different tribes. He gave the priestly ministry to Levi. He gave the kingly uh, ministry to Judah. And nobody in the Old Testament was ever allowed to unite king and priest except Moses, David, and eventually Jesus. So now Saul is king, he presumes into somebody else's ministry, somebody else's office, and he offers the sacrifice, and no sooner, here he is, I'm the king here, what's happened to Samuel? No sooner did he offer the sacrifice, than Samuel comes around the corner and says, what have you done? You know, the danger, and uh, we could spend a whole night on, on presumption, uh, because, uh, yeah, presumption, presuming of things, self-will. So characteristics of self-will, and we know what happened in the fall of Lucifer. I will, I will, I will, I will. All right, number six here, watching our time here. One of the uh, tragic things is, once the man gets into this, you know, disobedience to the word of God, impatience with, with the prophet of God, pride. See, all these sins are sort of a chain reaction. Disobedience leads to impatience, impatience, disobedience, pride, 
pride leads to presumption, presumption comes out of self-will. Then under, under number six, what does he do? He utters a senseless curse on the, on, on the people. He's mad, and so Jonathan's out there with his armor bearer, and the Philistines are there, and Jonathan, uh, he doesn't know about the curse. And, you know, how, you know, leadership here, the danger of leadership, this is more particularly for leadership, but he, Saul says, uh, a curse on anybody who eats anything for, the, you know, for this day. How can an army fight a battle on an empty stomach? Eh? So Jonathan never hears this, so he and his armor bearer have just had a great victory. The Spirit of God's moved and scared, scared the... I was going to say, scared the hell out of the Philistines, but just about. And uh, as he's running through, he dips his little rod into the honey pot. And his, his eyes were enlightened. He said, honey. And then uh, Saul said, somebody's here. And I mean, he's willing to kill his own son. I mean, you know, presumption of leadership. How proud, how self-willed. Willing to kill his own son who'd brought a great victory there just to save his little ego. You know, a senseless curse on the army. But something's happening in the man. We want to get to the root thing. And uh, number seven, this is a real tragic thing here. The Holy Spirit departed from Saul. The Holy Spirit departed from Saul. Let me just give you on the, uh, back to uh, here a moment, uh, number six, the census curse on the army, I'll give you the reference. First Samuel 14, 24. So that's on the census curse. First Samuel 14, 24. And then uh, on this one, the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. Uh, put down 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. In fact, I'd like you to go over to this one and sing uh, on this one. First Samuel chapter Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, a number eight here, and an evil spirit, New King James says, a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Now, why don't you, just to dwell on this a, a little moment here in our time, just almost gone. Um, here is a man who's been anointed with holy oil and uh, he's received the gift of prophecy. He's really sort of what we'd say Pentecostal person. Holy Spirit's come upon him. He's prophesied. He's had the anointing. He's been changed to another man, given another heart. And now he's been given kingdom authority. But now we see step by step something uh, it's happening on the inside here. And so it came to that way where eventually the Spirit of God left him and, a, and an evil spirit uh, troubled him. Put down these references. We haven't got time to turn, turn to them. But see, some of the mainline churches say, oh, we should never pray this prayer. Psalm 51 and verse 11. Psalm 51 verse 11. What did David pray now? David is the next king that takes over, and he has been years under this Saul, a man who's lost the anointing, a man who's now throwing javelins. And uh, uh, he says, after he fails on the area of adultery, 
he prayed this prayer, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now I've heard mainline churches say, oh, no New Testament believer should ever pray that. Oh yes, we should. So he prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he knew what happened when the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Judges 16 verse 20. What happened to Samson? When Samson gave himself over to repeated immoralities, Judges 16 verse 20, we're told that Samson shook himself as at other times, but he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. Well, that's tragic. And I've been around the traps long enough to see some Pentecostal ministers shaking themselves as at other times and not realizing the Lord's left them. And they're going through the, you know, the whole motion of the thing. And people are deceived by that. Genesis 6 verse 3. My spirit will not always strive with man. Genesis 6 verse 3. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. And uh, Saul grieved the Holy Spirit out of his life. Alright, so an evil spirit. Now, what do we mean by that? Now, these are frightening statements, but it's just good healthy fear because I use them on myself too. Uh, all the world, I believe, in this end of the age is destined to receive a spirit. They're either going to receive the Holy Spirit or they're going to open the way to an evil spirit. And when you study the book of Revelation, see the, the bottomless pit that's open and the demon spirits, sometimes I almost think it's open now, but such an increase of occult and Satanism and demonic spirits that are manifesting worldwide, everybody's going to respond to a spirit because, you see, we are vacuums. We, we were created to be filled with some spirit, either the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. And that's why so many people getting into Satanism, occultism, and receiving spirits who are going to need deliverance if they ever come to God because we're messing around with that thing. And people in America said to me, oh, Kevin, it will never happen in America. Well, it's happening. It's happening here. And so, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit, grieve the Holy Spirit out of his life. So an evil spirit uh, permitted to trouble him. So 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Um, time, 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 time. Let me, let me uh, just give you this last uh, step here and put down your scripture that you had last week from Second Chronicles. And I made a note of it and then forgot where it was on the genealogy. Who had that scripture for me? Uh, where, it, uh, where he died, he committed suicide, and it was because he ended up seeking to... Uh, First Chronicles 6... Thir- uh, thank you. First Chronicles 13.10. If you could just put... 10.13, the other way. Thank you. Thinking too fast here. 10.13. That's right. Okay. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit of it, to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. I want you to turn to one other scripture here as we finish, and I know I've, I've had to rush, rush through this. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15. I think it is 1 Samuel 15 as we finish. But how many can see there's plenty of lessons for us all here? (laughs) 1 Samuel 
What is it? 13, 15, where are we? 1 Samuel 15, okay, 1 Samuel 15. Now I want, want to sort of finish with the, the, the root problem of this whole thing, the root problem in Saul's life here, the root problem, and uh, th this verse sort of gives, this to, gives it to us. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice to hearken than the fat of lamb. See, it began with disobedience. Now, verse 23 is the crux of the whole thing. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected thee from being king. So reject, and then in verse 26, And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. See, a rejected king and a rent kingdom. The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. All right, now let me finish on this. Rebellion, what does rebellion mean? Rebellion is open resistance to authority. Very, very strong word. Open re resistance to authority. A defiance or opposition to any control. So very strong words which the Lord uses here. So rebellion is an open resistance to authority. A defiance of or opposition to any control. And then stubbornness. Listen to the word stubbornness. Stubbornness means to be unreasonably obstinate and not to be moved or persuaded by reasons. So stubbornness means to be unreasonably obstinate and not to be moved or persuaded by reasons. So when he uses these words, he's using very strong words. I want you to put down a couple of other scriptures here and then I want to just say something else before we finish. There were strong laws in the Bible that include these two words, rebellion and stubbornness. Deuteronomy 21, Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21. Any son that was stubborn and rebellious was to be stoned by the elders after they rejected parental discipline. So parents who had a stubborn and rebellious son, they're the two words, uh, if, they, if the son wouldn't uh, respond to parental discipline, uh, they were to be brought to the elders and stoned. It sort of cut down a lot of delinquency in Israel, I believe. <laughs> uh, Psalm, Psalm 78, verse 8. Uh, God speaks of Israel, the chosen nation, as a stubborn and rebellious generation, stubborn and rebellious, Psalm 78, verse 8, and then King Saul. All right, now, our last couple of things here. No, don't try to take this down. We'll try and get it to you later. Because of all these things that we've got here, this internal security, the Holy Spirit depart from Saul, and all these things here of the evil spirit troubling, rejection, rebellion, stubbornness, disobedience, self-will, presumption, pride, just that 
thing there, all these things happen. Fears, phobias, hatred, resentment, throwing the javelin at David. You'll find that Saul becomes so wicked once the Spirit of the Lord uh, uh, leaves him. He killed 85 priests. He, uh, he, he, he threw the javelin at David and David never threw the javelin back. David had two or three opportunities to touch the Lord's anointing. Even, even though he lost the, the, the anointing, David still said he's the Lord's anointed. Even though he's wrong. David still wouldn't touch him. And then he ends up going to the witch of Endor and calling up. And that's a whole message itself. Who came up? Was it Samuel or was it familiar spirit? No, it was Samuel because God stepped in. And Samuel rebuked him. And all these things of murder, witchcraft, suicide, self-pity, deceit, lying, all these things came out of when, when, when this man got into stubbornness and, and rebellion. How many feet you've had enough lessons for tonight to keep you saved and sanctified? <laughs> Tragic history of a king that had great potential and then uh, just went downstairs. But next week we'll have a more positive king, King David. How many will be back next week? All right, let's uh, close in prayer. I've, sneaking a, I've snuck a few extra minutes on your time. Uh, but I hope you've got something out of this. Father, we just come to you in the precious name of Jesus as we bring our time to a close. And we know, Lord, that all these things were written for our examples and our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. And Father, you've called each of us to be kings and priests unto our God. And God, in a day when you want to give the church uh, kingdom power, kingdom authority, we know, Lord, we cannot handle it unless you put character into us as kings and queens, Lord. God, help us not to have charisma without character, but give us character that can handle charisma. Father, we just thank you for these many, many lessons, so many, many, many lessons in Saul's life that we've skipped over. But Lord, we've received enough tonight to help us and keep us on the track. Uh, we do pray with David, take not thy Holy Spirit from us, but keep us in the way, keep us in the joy of your presence and to do those things that please you always. Thank you, Father. Let your blessing be upon us now as we separate until we gather again on the weekend. We ask in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. For more in-depth teaching on Israel's kings, be sure to see Kevin Connor's book, Kings of the Kingdom, available from word.com.au, from amazon.com, and also in PDF format on Kevin's website, kevinconnor.org.